Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. We're going to start a new game. Each team is going to have three timeouts. I'll replay this upstairs. We're going to start a new game. We're going to play until we declare a winner. Buffalo, you're still the visiting team. What is your call? We have a coin, heads and tails. Tails. Tails is the call. Tails is this the call. This feels huge, right, with how good these offenses are? Yeah, well, you heard Tony Romo say it. The coin toss was pretty huge. In fact, some people are saying that that flip of the coin decided yesterday's absolute classic between the Chiefs and the Bills because pretty good odds that whoever was going first was going to get a touchdown. Uh, To discuss that and who knows what else, former linebacker and defensive end with the double E football team, 1993 Great Cup champion. Always love having her on the show. It is Jed Roberts checking in tonight. Well, good evening, Jed. Hey, thanks for having me on, Reed. It's always great to be in here talking to you about sports and whatnot. Well, the one thing I really like as you about a guest, besides just I like having you as a guest, is whenever you're booked for the show, it is on Facebook like 10 seconds later, and people know all day. Like you're, you should, I should hire you to do PR for the show. Hey, all the kids are doing it, man. Like, you know, just try to keep up with the trends, you know. He's, he's just trying to keep up. That's all Jed Roberts is trying to do. Okay, you know what? Let's, I, let's just dive right in. Coin flip, overtime, first possession. If you get a touchdown, you win. What do you think? Well, you know what? I laugh at some of the people that are trying to do the old, you know, quote-unquote hot take by saying, stop complaining about the overtime rules, yada, yada, yada. Bill's had 90 or 60 minutes. Listen, if that was true, then why why doesn't anybody send their defense out to start the overtime? Because, let's face it, if you win the coin toss, chances are, I think the statistic is something like seven out of the last eight games that have been decided that way have gone to the people that have won the coin toss. So, yeah, man, I mean, I think, uh, you know, so I've seen some people suggesting that maybe they should do it the CFL way where they do the California playoff where you start from 35 and work your way in. Yeah. Um, I would argue against that in the NFL. I would like to see them just play, you know, and then, First team scores a touchdown, then the second team gets the right to try to take it down and do the same. And if they get stopped and they only score, you know, if they get stopped, then that's it. That's the game right there. You know, it's kind of like what the NHL does during the regular season, right? They do the shootouts to keep the games from going too long. Yep. But in the playoffs, they play until somebody wins. And that's the way I think it should be. So it's just have equal possessions then. Like, still have kickoffs yeah. and punts, but equal offensive possessions. Come on. Josh Allen had one of the most incredible games I've ever seen. Like, that weekend, like, if, if you know what? I was sitting at home laughing at the last game in particular because every single one of those games came down to the last second. And I'm thinking, listen, if I'm a scriptwriter from Yellowstone, and I want to make a move and parlay into professional sports and write a script. That's what I'm doing, man. You know, Brady got taken out to the train station. You know, same with uh, Josh Allen. Like, they just got knocked out at the last second. You didn't see it coming. So, great weekend. Great weekend. 
Well, it, it was a phenomenal weekend, and after those other three games, it's almost like they're still overshadowed by the by the fourth game, even though they were all great. So I think you and I are on the same page with overtime. I like I don't mind the the shootout, but I do think teams should have equal possessions, and that's what here, here's. And you make a great point. If the coin toss doesn't matter, then how come the team that wins the toss never chooses to kick off? That is a great point. And then I would also say, like, I know hockey is different because there's an opening, like, there's a face-off, so possession is kind of 50-50. But imagine if they flipped the coin for three-on-three overtime in the NHL, and they said, okay, if you don't win the coin toss, you can't play your top six scorers until until overtime is two minutes old. Right, so yeah. the Oilers could put out McDavid and Drysaddle, and the Flames couldn't put out Goudreau, Kachuk, Monahan. Like that's kind of what it's like. It is exactly. You're you're keeping your best players on the bench. You know, like people don't come to the games to watch defense play. Like defense wins championships or loses championships in this case. Um, offense sells tickets, right? So you want to you don't want your top ticket sellers on the bench when the game's on the line. Boy, we're going to save that quote as a defensive player. Nobody buys tickets to see defense. Guys are going to give you a ribbing for that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, the ki- the the Bills kicking off, and you, I mean, you were a great special teams player as well. The Bills kick off with 13 seconds left. They have been criticized for that. In your mind, did they do something strategically incorrect? Oh, it was brutal. It was egregious. I couldn't believe it. I was yelling at my screen. I was like, what are you doing? They got timeouts, man. Like, you know, you got to, man, you got to use your head in that situation. And I really think that uh, the coach for the Bills really showed his his, his uh, lack of situational awareness in that situation because you just got to be, you got to keep your head on the swivel. I mean, you look, a, a guy like Andy Reid, I guarantee you he would have split kicked, you know, because he's been there, he's done it, he's been around for a long time. So Magnamot, the coach for the Bills, showed his inexperience there a little bit. But, um, you know, in a game like that, that's just a crappy way to lose. You can't give a guy like that that much time. And I'm, I can't believe I'm saying that about 13 seconds. Yeah. But, you know, this <laughs> is the NFL too, really. You know what I mean? You're used to seeing that in the CFL. But, boy, I tell you, that was some pretty uh, some pretty amazing football yesterday. To think that 13 seconds, because, I mean, you look at the Cowboys the weekend before, they couldn't get ready in 15 yeah. You know, they were they were taking their time. And, you know, it just shows how uh, how on the ball they were to get that uh, ball down there so quickly. And, and, and they're using their timeouts, right? Um, when, you, when, you, when you're in a situation like that and you see a, t- a coach make an error like that, that's when you really notice how important it is to have a head coach that's really paying attention and, and knows what to do in those situations. Yeah, so, so if they squib it, then if Kansas City tries to return it, that probably wastes five or six seconds. And if the, and if the Kansas City guy just grabs the ball and kneels, then they're probably back on the ten or fifteen. In which case, there's is it? Am I yeah, reading that right? How it would have helped the Bills? You're burning time, like you're burning right. time. I would I would I would guarantee you that at least three seconds would have gone off. Yeah. Because I mean, there's no guarantee it wouldn't hit somebody and bounce off of them because the ball's a squeak. Got to keep in mind it's going low. It's a low kick, right? Um, and. You know, if it bounces off somebody, then they've got to go and they've got to recover it. So you think about how much time it takes for a, a referee to to make that, you know, the reaction time factor in three seconds. And that's all the time they had left when the uh, the Chiefs kicked their field goal. Those were three seconds on the clock. That's the difference in the game right there. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Jed Roberts joining us then at Inside Sports, reflecting on an incredible weekend in the National Football League. Like the two games on Saturday seem like they were two weeks ago. <laughs> 
because of suicide yeah, game yesterday amazing. was so insane. I, we'll touch. Let's just touch on the Rams on the Bucks because the, the incredible comeback. Uh, I think the Rams had four turnovers. You don't often win with four turnovers. But okay, but let me ask you th- this question then that, that I think a lot of fans will say. And you know, I had a buddy text me after the play happened too. How do the Bucks let Cup, the best receiver in the league, get behind them in the final 20 seconds to set up yeah, a winning field goal? I can't really understand that. Like, I don't really know what the Buccaneers were thinking with that. Like, I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, you, that's a great question. You know, but I think that also, too, when you've got a guy like Odell Beckham on the other side who's probably faster, you know, Cup is a bigger, kind of a more possession-type guy. Uh, but Cup will lull you to sleep. Like, he, he runs precise routes. And, yeah, I don't know, man. There were some really goofy decisions. I mean, even the Chiefs, and sorry if we go back to the Chiefs game. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the Bills were playing off. You know, they were playing, like, the 20 like they weren't jamming the. Re- I don't understand how you don't jam Cooper Cup Cup on the on the line. You know, like you've got to. Sometimes in the NFL defenses are funny because I'm used to seeing in the CFL where you can chuck a guy for five yards. In the NFL, you're not really allowed to do that after one. So a lot of guys won't do it if they don't if they're not good at it. Um, but I don't really know what to tell you, man. In that scenario, absolutely, you got to get hands on that guy and you got to make it difficult for him to get downfield, and you've got to keep the guy deep enough that he's not going to get behind you, like. I don't know what to tell you, man. That that's part of the drama that we saw yesterday. And sometimes when things when it, when all the marbles are on the line, people make some pretty critical mistakes, and then they come back. To, I've got six months now to think about it. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, no, well, you know, nothing like pressure, right? To to yeah, maybe make yeah. somebody make a bad decision or or play a little too uh, too passive. But yeah, incredible games. Uh, who do you like out of the four teams left? Do you think there's a clear favorite? Yeah, no, I don't. I think that uh, this year, more than any other, it really comes down to matchups. Like, if you look at the Rams and the 49ers, uh, most people coming off the street will say, oh, yeah, the Rams. But you know what? The 49ers have beaten the Rams the last, I think, four times they played. Five times they played. The 49ers own them. Um, The Rams, they play a style of uh, offense um, that I think kind of plays into what the 49ers do. Like, the 49ers are... And then vice versa, right? Like the 49ers are content to just kind of move the ball downfield on their offense and plod. Um, the Rams' defense likes to play a style where they try to make you earn it. Um, they're patient. They're not going to let you get anything over the top for the most part. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be it's gonna, the wild card, I think, will, will be uh, the 49ers' ability to get Debo Samuel involved. Oh, he's um, something, and then eh? also their running game, right? Like Sony Michelle and. And uh, whoever they got back it up, I think that Michelle plays for the Rams, didn't he? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting guys mixed up. No, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, you used to play yeah. for the Patriots, yeah. So I And you know what? If you were to sit here and tell me that you've got a quarterback that hasn't scored a touchdown in two games and he's going to the NFC final, I would have told you you were lying. So <laughs> Garoppolo, crazy? like, and so that's kind of what the Rams do. They try to make you be patient, and I think that's what the 49ers do really well. They just take what you give them, and then they'll just move the ball and jam it down your throat and, Throwing a jet sweep in there with Debo Samuel and try to catch you sleeping on the edge. Yeah, yeah, he's um, incredible. That's, like, that's the matchup I'm really excited about looking at. Is it's 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 is, is there, are the Rams going to be able to run the ball consistently enough against that defense 
to be able to open things up for their passing game because I don't think the uh, 49ers are going to give them anything. So, All right. Um, uh, Jed Roberts joining us on Inside Sports. Let's, let's touch on a couple other stories here with uh, more of a local angle. And, I, and look, I know you weren't a teammate of this guy, but you watched him play. I don't know if you got to know him very well. Michael Riley retired today at the age of 36. Uh, I mean, he was uh, he was massively popular while he was here. He, uh, you know, he, he won, first of all. He was a, a good interview. He was good in the community when he was uh, he was out there. Uh, just your perspective on Michael's tenure here in green and gold. Yeah, you know, one of the toughest guys I've ever seen. Like, he, uh, you know, I don't know, there's probably a backhanded comment against our, our line, but he took a beating when he was playing here, and he, he would never take a knee. You know, he was that guy that would always fight. He reminded me a lot of Matt Dunnigan, the way he just would fight for extra yardage if he was running the ball and, wasn't afraid to stand in there and take a pounding and try to get that ball downfield to whoever might be opened. Um, and he was a guy that was very well respected in the dressing room and he got it. Like he bought into the culture right away and he kind of pulled everybody along with him. I know there were a couple of, uh, I know that that uh, playoff game when the year they went to the Grey Cup when they beat Calgary, like he willed that team, you know. And he the year before that he almost won it all all by himself. So yeah, uh, I think that kind of inspired everybody. The next year it was like, okay, so this is the level we got to play to. And uh, you know, he really willed that team into uh, that Grey Cup game. And then you know, some of the throws he made against Ottawa in that Grey Cup. I mean, I'll never forget it. So I mean, he you know he definitely gave us something to remember. I. I uh, just a tip of the cap to the guy, man. He came in, bought in, and he brought everybody up to the level that they needed to play to win a championship. And we'll always be grateful for that here in the community. Earlier on in the show, Jed, I had uh, Victor Quee on the show. He's the new president and uh, CEO of the Edmonton Elks. When you played, did you care who the president of the team was? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. You, you did? And here, and uh, here's what I'll tell you about it. Um, and this may surprise you, uh, Reed. In uh, the 90s when I played, way back when, back when, you know, horses were still being ridden down the main street of uh, Edmonton there, and Jasper Hap, they used to bring the directors in, and we would sit and talk to them during training camp at Concordia, and we would have a chat. Like, it wouldn't be unusual for me to be sitting with Jack Ramsey, you know, and having, uh, you know, a lunch with him and talking to him about his family and you know, uh, that, and that was the type of connection that we had. And so I would very much say, yeah, I mean, Rick Lullisher was our president. Uh, you know, I knew I was always keenly aware of who who it was because there was a connection. There was no disconnect between the front office and the field. Uh, and I think over the years, for whatever reason, you know, that uh, disconnect has uh, it's turned into a bit of a chasm to where, you know, I couldn't even tell you who's on the board. Back back when I played, I knew every I knew the names of every board member. So Oh wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's something that I think uh I'm looking forward to the team kind of getting back into uh making sure that everybody is aware of who uh who does what and um having that uh, more importantly, having an appreciation for what everybody brings to the table and uh, everybody being treated with respect. And I think that's something that we particularly the last two years we got away from. Well, and, you know, I talked about it. You know, Victor Cui is uh, is an Edmontonian. Yes, his job has taken him around the world, but he grew up here and was a Johnny Bright scholarship guy. And I, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here, Jed, and I know I've told this story before, but it's it's been a few years, and people talk about, well, you know, do, do you need an athlete? Uh, like, I, I hear some people say, well, the athlete's got to go out into the community, and other people will say, that, you know, they just got to win. I don't care. But I'm going to tell the story. Uh, I believe it was the late 90s. Uh, you know, you went out to my dad's school, Grand Trunk High School in Evansburg, 
And I'll never forget talking to my dad on the phone that night because I was living in Edmonton at the time. And he said, Jed Roberts was amazing, positive energy, connected with the kids, told his story, was relatable to the kids. And like there had been other members of the team that had gone out there, but my dad placed you at, at the top. And my dad's a pretty stoic guy. Like he's a sports fan, but he's not like a huge, you know, cheering guy or getting overly emotional about it. And we've had season tickets since 97. I have never seen my dad cheer for an athlete openly the way he cheered for you. And that was because you went out and did that one one time you went out and connected. And, you know, it affected the what he, he thought of you as a person and as a player. You know, that's pretty amazing that you tell that. Uh, I think you've told me that before. But uh, the thing that you've got to realize is that I got as much out of that as he did. You know, um, when I went to places like Evansburg, Edson, you know, Hinton, you know, I, I would hit all of those on that trip on my way out to Jasper. Um, you know, the people that I met and the personalities, like there's people I met. I met a kid out in uh, – in, um, I can't remember the name of that town that's out by Hinton. Um, there was a kid who had a hearing aid, and he was being teased mercilessly by his uh, cat classmates because they didn't really understand why he had to wear it. And so we had a special assembly, and I went in there, and I talked to them, and I took my hearing aids off and, you know, tried to make the, the whole idea of a kid having hearing aids more relatable for the classmates. Um, and you know what? In the CFL, like, we're not – we weren't superstars. I mean, we never got it twisted in that, you know, we're not in the NFL, we're not the Oilers, you know, we're just, uh, we're a lot more easy to relate to because, A, we don't make as much money. And uh, B, you know, because we're a community-owned team, uh, we're in the community. A lot of us made our homes here year-round. And, uh, you know, I stayed here. I came here in 1990. I've been here some 32 years. And um, my dad told me that as a football player for the Ottawa. He told me if you get to Edmonton, and they ask you to do some uh, community appearances, take advantage of it, because if you do, then they'll take care of you down the road, and that's exactly what happened. You know, Every job I've ever had, I've had people say, oh, yeah, I remember you. You came out to my school, and I've got people that are you know, in their 40s and late, late 30s saying that, oh, Yo, you came to my school, you know, like lawyers and doctors. and you know, It always kind of embarrasses me, but I'm also proud in a way, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jed, this was a blast as always. Let's try to do it again soon. Always appreciate your ability as a storyteller and the way you analyze the game. Hope everything's good in your world, buddy. Take care. Hey, likewise. Thanks, buddy. Bye. That is Jed Roberts checking in. Love talking to him. Former member of the AA football team, won it all in 1993. Okay, uh, Mike has called in. I think he wants to talk about overtime. Mike, I got to get a break in, and then I'll get you on before the news. All right, let's go to the Certainty Hotline, professional-grade building materials. Mike has uh, been on hold since Jed was talking there. Mike, go ahead. Uh, Who am I talking to here? Yeah, it's Reed Wilkins. Oh, I thought it was I uh, phoned into Calgary Radio. Oh, I'm sorry. You got Edmonton. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, okay. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, the NFL overtime is a uh, pretty easy fix. You just let both teams get the ball an even number of times and uh, figure it out that way. But uh, just a more general comment on NFL, it's really uh, become more like arena football on steroids, really. I mean, up and down the field, last team of the ball uh, wins the game. Very little special teams play. Field position doesn't mean anything. I mean, uh, that was entertaining. You know, great great individual plays, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's very good football. And uh, I think that'll get tiresome pretty quick. Mike, do you coach or did you ever coach or play? 
Uh, I did play football, yeah. It, how high a level? Do you mind me asking? Uh, just uh, high school. High school, right on. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you listening. And you got 630 Chet in Edmonton. That You should oh. listen to this station 6 to 8 every night. That's what I'm on, okay, buddy? <laughs> okay, I'm not sure how that happened, but that's okay. Okay, no problem. Yeah. That's, yep. that's, uh, that's Mike. This is 630 Chet in Edmonton. I'm in my basement in the Macaulay neighborhood. Not far from Commonwealth, actually. One of the all-time greats play-by-play in baseball, Dave Van Horn, when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.